It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. This is a very personal message for me. The name Eric Ludendorff will pop up in this message, along with Operation Lutich. And both are awkwardly similar to my name. Hey, this is Eric. Ludi, not Ludendorff or Lutich. And if you have missed the previous 72 messages in this series, go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to access the entire collection. Now let's go to the northern French countryside in August of 1944 and discover the magnificence of the Falaise pocket so that we can, quote unquote, remember Liège with fondness and not bitterness. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it is the Friday edition of Daily Thunder. It seems like I just said that too. Boy, this last week has gone fast. Uh, it's Friday edition of Daily Thunder, and we are right smack in the middle of a very long series on World War II. It's a very long war, uh, though. And so uh, it's part 73, and I really like uh, the word, you know, the, I think it was, might have even been last Friday. Uh, maybe that's why there's a familiarity where I said uh, rushing the bocage. Remember, I, I found an excuse to stick a cool word in. Uh, this, I, I found a, a really great reason to stick uh, Liège in. It's, and the way that the, the people in, uh, in Belgium say it isn't as cool as the way I say it. Uh, I just want you guys to know that. But remember Liège. Okay. Uh, don't you guys like that? See, some of you are just jealous that I get to say all the cool words up here and you just have to listen to them. But it's like, remember the Alamo? This is remember Liège. And so Liège, Belgium, has had a, a, a very critical role in two different wars, uh, World War I and World War II. It's in a very uh, significant position between France and Germany. And so to start World War I, there is going to be an invasion of Belgium, and it is oftentimes in history called the Rape of Belgium. And so that's all of the Allied forces you know, giving uh, their media spin on this of what Germany is going to do. It's going to violate uh, a neutrality pact, and they're going to invade Belgium, and they're going to attack at Liège. It's actually the start of World War I. And so this, is a, this actually come in, comes into play today, even though we are 30 years later, uh, it is going to actually play into what is going to take place in our episode today. Remember Liège. Uh, order number 227. I'm going to go back in time a little. We were in August of 1944. Uh, D-Day was in June of 1944. And now we're going to fly backwards a little, and we're going to go to the Eastern Front and where you have Germany against uh, Soviet Russia. It's a very dark and difficult thing to talk about the, the battles on the Eastern Front. And so even though Stalingrad is actually one of the most significant events in all of World War II, you notice that I actually didn't cover it other than just through reference. I should cover it if I was just focused on the histories, but I was having a really difficult time finding uh, a great spiritual parallel for evil fighting evil and uh, hundreds of thousands of people being massacred. You know, I just couldn't find a lot of great reasons to meditate upon that. And so even though it's critical in the turning of the tide on the Eastern Front, which is actually going to cause Soviet Russia to gain the upper hand to begin to encroach upon Hitler's territory as opposed to the other way around, what you see in this time, Stalin and Hitler are both tremendously evil. 
And so to see them at war together is somewhat of a disconcerting thing. Uh, even to study it is, is really hard. I've, I, I've, I have spent time studying the Eastern Front, and I, I don't know how else to describe it other than, hmm, let's move on. Uh, it's, it's just difficult. And order number 227 is an order that Stalin is going to give to the uh, Soviet troops. And it's going to be on June 27th, 1943. Basically, in summary, it is not one step backward. So what they had as a problem is the Germans were a stronger force, and so they were pushing back, and the Soviets could not give up any more territory. And that was Stalin's attitude. And he says, okay, so if any soldier even takes a step backwards, their officer, whoever's over them, is to take their pistol and shoot them immediately on sight. Just immediately. If even you take a step backwards, you're not allowed to go backwards. We go forwards as a Soviet uh, nation. And I don't know what that would feel like to you, but guess what? If the officer doesn't shoot the guy that steps backwards, it doesn't matter if he has a good reason, right? If the officer doesn't shoot him, then the officer that's over this guy is, a, is commanded to immediately shoot him. Uh, I mean, this is a lot of pressure. So if you don't do your job and kill the guy who's stepping backwards, even if he has a good reason, then you get shot. Okay, that's an, uh, that's an effective implementation of a very wicked scheme. <laughs> and ironically, I don't want to, to say, oh, and look how well it worked. It, it does work. There are evil schemes all the time that work. You can, you can beat your opponents into submission through fear and through terror. It is a technique the devil has used for years, and you're going to see Hitler and Stalin use it. But the reason I'm bringing that up, even though it's a year earlier, and it's like, what does that have to do with where we're at in the war, Eric? That's way in the past. Let's move forward into better, more uh, glorious things. It's because you're going to see a pattern that is similar between Stalin and Hitler. First, I'm going to give you a quote from Stalin. This is uh, in Order 227. Panic makers and cowards must be liquidated on the spot, not one step backward without orders from higher headquarters. Commanders who abandon a position without an order from higher headquarters are traitors to the motherland. Hmm. I, I've thought about it many times as I went through uh, the, the Eastern Front is what it's called. And most Americans actually don't study the Eastern Front. It's not something we know a lot about. Even there were more deaths by, oh, I don't know, it's like, five times more deaths are going to take place in the Eastern Front in World War II than they are in the Western Front, which is the theater that America is going to be in. So we're totally ignorant oftentimes of what even took place over there. It's just very dark, and it's hard uh, to study. I understand why we're not necessarily attracted to it, but uh, you're going to see this same mentality begin to... Uh, it's, it's cultivated in, in Hitler as well. It's just it's evil. It's, a, it's an evil form of leadership that doesn't put value on the individual soldier. So Hitler and Stalin, two peas in a pod. They actually respect each other, too. That's what's funny, is they don't like each other at all. Their ideology is completely different. One, Hitler would be considered a, an extreme conservative. I know that sounds terrible for any of us that are conservatives. Like, no, 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 don't associate him with us. Uh, and Stalin would be an extreme liberal. And they are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. No matter how you go on the spectrum, if you go to the extremes, it's evil. And it's right in the center where Christ is, which uh, is where you want to land. It's not like we want to be a Pharisee or a Sadducee. They both crucified Christ. 
right? In other words, being conservative isn't actually what saves you. And so what we see is the, the hyper versions of both are going to lead to uh, this mentality as well. And so in World War II, right where we're at, actually I'm gonna step back a, a week or two because we were uh, liberating Paris uh, which was on what the 25th, and now uh, we're going to step back uh, a little bit because that, that is important for how I finish today, which is remember Liège. Uh, but Operation Lutich. Now, I feel uncomfortable uh, when I see that uh, because it reminds me of my name, and I don't know if Hudson and Harper feel a little uncomfortable when they hear it, but this is like Hitler and his operation against the Allies. And I don't like the fact that he seems to be using my name, and a little too freely. It's like, excuse me, buddy, but that you can't just throw that name in there. And so as a result, the, the reason I ended up focusing on this and studying this is because I was intrigued. Just like, wait a minute, where, what's the etymology of that? How did they come up with Ludich? What does it stand for? And so basically, Operation Ludich, if I could describe it, is the Allies are going to sweep into Normandy. Now, if you know your French map, which, I, which I'll put up French map so you can see this, and they're going to then get stuck at Cain, if you remember, and they're going to get backlogged there where they're not able to move forward, and then they're going to finally break through at Cain, and then they're going to make their way down and liberate Paris. That's what we know. However, there's something that's going to happen between Cain and Paris, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about today, and that, that's Patton is going to extend out his troops in a long line, and the Americans are trying to supply for this. And it's a very, very difficult thing to create a supply line to a fast-moving troop, as we've talked about before. And so Patton is getting close to uh, being a vulnerable line, and Hitler sees it. And he wants to break Patton's supply line and divide his troops in half. And that's a, it's a classic military maneuver, and Hitler is salivating over this. And, but all of his generals are saying, we have to leave Normandy. They are swarming us and we are going to die. This is just going to be a huge German cemetery if we don't get out of here. But Hitler can't help himself because Hitler will not step backwards. So Hitler is going to step forward at the very time when every one of his generals is saying, we have to get out of here. Otherwise, this is going to be a huge loss. Operation Lutich <laughs> is what Hitler is going to launch Every single one, bar none, of his generals are animately opposed to the idea. But Hitler has total authority in Germany. So they do it. They do Operation Ludic. Not one step backward. So why name it Operation Ludic? That's exactly what's going through my head because it's just uncomfortably close to Luti. Uh, my, by the way, my, it's a D, not a T in my name. But, uh, so I just want to give those clarifications. But it's to rekindle the days of glory. Because as I was studying this, I recognized that the German word for Liege is Lutich. It doesn't sound similar to me, but that's what it is. The German word for Liege and the Battle of Liege is the first great victory for the Germans. You know when it happened? This is the 30th anniversary. And so they're having the 30th anniversary of the Battle of Liege, uh, which to them is Lutich. And so Hitler, to rally his troops to say, remember Liege, uh, they are going to launch Operation Ludic. So to rekindle the days of glory. So the Battle of Liege, this is sort of a World War I uh, history uh, update, you know, because it happened 30 years before, August 5th through 16th. Remember, this is August 7th. And so we're right at the same time period. 
the first battle of World War I, when the mighty German army defied the odds and crushed the Belgian defenses. The battle that made famous a German named Erich Ludendorff. So, <laughs> <laughs> There's all sorts of things about this message. It's a very personal message to me. I'm, I'm just going to tell you that. Because there was a character when I was studying World War I, I remember uh, there, there's this name that just kept popping up, Eric Ludendorff. And it was like, it'd make me sort of shiver every time because I was going through a podcast on it and the guy was like, an Eric Ludendorff. And then he did this. Eric Ludendorff is going to do this super heroic action. So just in case I end up going through World War I, I don't want to teach on it right now because it's a pretty fascinating story. But it's in Liege, and he is going to save the day and sort of turn the tide of the war. And so you have to recognize this guy, which most people have never heard about, uh, is going to rise in the ranks of the German military in World War I and actually be the commander-in-chief before the end of it. So one of the key guys in all of World War I in the Germans is Erich Ludendorff. Now you need to recognize my name is Erich Ludi. My mom's maiden name is Obendorf. So if you combined uh, my dad's last name and my mom's, it would be Ludendorff, okay? <laughs> and so the discomfort of this for me throughout this, because this is like a chief bad guy. He's German, I'm German. His name's Eric Ludendorf, mine's Eric Ludy. He's the one that's going to actually send Vladimir Lenin in a sealed uh, train car into Soviet Russia to hopefully destroy Soviet Russia with communism. Instead, Soviet Russia is ultimately going to become communist, thanks to Vladimir Lenin, and then come back in and ultimately crush Germany. So he's also the main proponent for getting Hitler into his position. Okay, so do you understand why I'm a little uncomfortable with some of these things? It's like, how come my name gets associated with all of this? And so that, it's just a side point. It may not affect you, but... As a result, in this message, there's, it's, which is about redemption, which is about how God takes what the enemy means for evil and turns it to good, that's, that's why there's an extra remembrance level for me. So there's Liège. You can see it in our map that we've put up the past couple uh, lessons, and it's in Belgium, and you see where Germany is uh, just to its right, and then you see Paris down here in France. That's where we were in our last message. So there is going to be a swing uh, up towards uh, Germany right here, which of course is going to go straight to uh, Belgium and uh, Liège uh, as we progress, because we're after Germany is what the Allied forces are after. So Liège, this is just something I stumbled across uh, this morning uh, as far as uh, its etymology. I love etymologies, the history of words and where they come from. So the name is Germanic in origin and is reconstructable as Ludic from the Germanic word Ludies, people, which means people, which is found in, for example, Dutch or Luden or Leiden. Because if you were around for my teaching on the pilgrims, the pilgrims are going to move to Leiden, Holland, and they are going to be known as Leidenites. So one of the best ways you could say it is you might as well call them Ludenites. Uh, I mean, that's, that's like w what it is. It's the same word. German, look at this one, Luti. <laughs> Old English, Liod. Uh, English, Lede. Uh, Icelandic, Lior. I don't know how to pronounce that one, uh, which means people. It is found in Lithuanian as Liodis, people. In Ukrainian as Liudi. Ooh, that's extremely close. In Russian is Liudi, uh, people, and in Latin is Liodi, Liodicum or Liodium. In Middle Dutch is Ludic or Ludeki. 
Okay, so I feel very close in my affinity to this whole thing. And yet it's Hitler that's wielding it. It's sort of like, almost like he's bragging. Remember all the stuff I got out of Eric? Remember all the times I hit him hard? That's the way I feel in this. So I'm mad, okay, as I'm building this message. I'm like, okay, this guy's going down. So this is a battle message for Eric. All right, so here's some of our key points. You see that purple star up in Belgium, that's Liège. You see that blue star, that's Normandy, okay? So that's where D-Day is going to take place. And then you see that red star, that's Cain. That's where we're gonna get stuck for quite a few days. That's the rushing of the Bocage message. And then you're gonna see the green star as Paris. We're going to be halfway between. Just the week before we're going to liberate Paris, there is something very significant that's going to happen. And Hitler is gonna say, remember Liège, okay? Operation Ludic. That's all happening in this time. So Hitler's scheme is to break the supply line of Patton and to divide the military body. And I want you to just listen very closely to those words, okay? You're hearing military words, but I want you to hear spiritual words. I'm going to read it again, and I want you to see if you can pick up on it. He wants to break the supply line of Patton, and he wants to divide the military body. Okay, this is classic enemy. When he sees the body of Christ, he wants to divide it. Divide and conquer is a famous military tactic. In other words, if you can divide, you can conquer. And so if, if they can stay united, which is going to be a key aspect of what's about to happen, the allies need to stay allied. And what's going to happen is the devil, or Hitler, did I, that's a, a misspeak, uh, that Hitler wants to divide Patton's long uh, string of troops as they're trying to move their supply line, and he wants to break that, which is going to cut off Patton, which then enables him to surround part of Patton's army over here and part of Patton's army over here. It's a brilliant technique if you can do it. All of Hitler's generals are like, no, 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 because if this goes wrong, it goes really wrong. And every one of them is convinced that he is stepping into a trap. And yet, the devil is going to move forward with his divide and conquer mentality. He wants to divide the body. Right now in history, we see the division in the body as being about as uh, extreme as maybe it's ever been. In other words, we have not found ways to knit together as the body. We have found more and more ways to find division amongst us to find subtleties of why we can't stand together. And the devil conquers us when we do that. And so what we're going to see is a different pattern, and I want you to remember it, just as much as the devil's like saying, remember Liege, that's what I want to finish this message with. I want to say we need to remember it as well, because God is going to get the last laugh. So Joseph in Genesis 50, 20 is going to give us a mentality or a thought process that is critical to the Christian thinking. He's speaking to his brothers that sold him into slavery and desired to harm him, to kill him. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So Hitler is going to intend and mean evil against the Allies. However, God is going to mean Hitler's evil for good. This entire idea in your Christian landscape of thought is critical. That you understand that even though 
the enemy is going to hatch evil plans and desire evil outcomes in your life, God is going to create a Phelez pocket around it each time. And that's what's going to happen in this. It's a famous battle called the Phelez pocket. And Hitler is going to be devastated. This is actually one of the greatest victories in all of World War II is what's just up ahead, and yet it looks very bleak and very dark right at the very beginning of it. The conversion of evil intent. God always holds a trump card. This is, this is the way I've always said it, okay? And I do not mean anything political by that, by the way. Uh, but God always holds a trump card. No matter what the devil plays, God always has in his hand if this was poker, which I don't know if that's the best way of describing how God works is to play poker, but he always has the card. And that card, and that's not really how poker works uh, is to play a card like that, but okay, so maybe we're playing a different game here. Uh, he always has a trump card that is going to win the hand every time. I don't know how he does it. All of us just stand back and I was like, God, how did you do that? Well, he's very good at this thing. And the other way I've said it is he can always stick the enemy in checkmate no matter what. So these are my two game mentalities. No matter what the enemy does, he goes, ha ha. And then God just goes, ha ha. He somehow is able to see more than the enemy can see. The enemy thinks he owns the board, but God is always able to prove that he actually rules this board. So Paul the Apostle is going to go on the same theme, which you guys have heard me use this scripture. This is one of the most famous scriptures in all of Christian uh, living. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. What about Operation Ludich? What about Hitler's attempt to divide the, body, the military body of Patton? Mm -hmm. Yeah, even that. See, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If you are called according to his purpose, you love God, then even those evil, manipulative, undermining works that the enemy tries to bring against us are converted into actually strength points for our life. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So this is that thorn we've brought up multiple times. Paul is, there's a messenger from Satan. It's a Operation Ludich. That's what it is. It's an Operation Ludich against Paul. And God doesn't seem to look at this as a bad thing. Either does Paul. What's interesting is, is lest I be exalted above measure, I was given this. Well, whether or not the devil intended to keep him from being exalted above measure, it's like, and the devil was wanting to encourage him. No, no. The devil wanted to destroy him, wanted to discourage him, wanted to dishearten him. And yet, the way Paul even reasons through it, lest I be exalted above measure, <laughs> because it's good that I do not think highly of myself. And you see his therefore in here. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm gonna boast in the fact that I look weak as, a, as this patent line is vulnerable. I rejoice when I'm thin because in that thinness, the enemy's going to come in like a flood and attempt to destroy me and that's going to actually create a fellas pocket which will then destroy him. Therefore, I most gladly enjoy my thin line of resource because it is going to ultimately bring about a Fela's pocket. 
That's what Paul's saying. He's, he didn't understand World War II language, but that's what he's saying. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Winston Churchill, from his memoirs, picks up our story. While Brittany, Brittany is a part of France, by the way, not to be confused with Great Britain. It's just a portion, like a province of France. Up near, that, that's where Normandy is. While Brittany was thus being cleared or cooped, the rest of Patton's army drove eastward in the Long Hook, which was to carry them to the gap between the Loire and Paris and down the Seine toward Rouen. The town of Laval was entered on August 6th and Le Mans on the 9th. Few Germans were found in all this re wide region, and the main difficulty was supplying the advancing Americans over long and ever-lengthening distances. Uh-oh, guys, we have a problem. We need to supply the Americans over long and ever-lengthening distances. Accepted, except for a limited airlift, everything had to still come from the beaches of the original landing and pass down the western side of Normandy through Avranches to reach the front. Avranches therefore became the bottleneck and offered a tempting opportunity for a German attack striking westward from the neighborhood of Falaise. The idea caught Hitler's fancy and he gave orders for the maximum possible force to attack Mortain, burst its way through the Avranches, thus cut Patton's communications. The German commanders were unanimous in condemning the project. Realizing that the battle for Normandy was already lost, they wished to use four divisions, which had just arrived from the 15th Army in the north, to carry out an orderly retreat to the Seine. They thought that to throw any fresh troops westward was merely to stick out their necks with the certain prospect of having them severed. Hitler insisted on having his way, and on August 7th, five panzer and two infantry divisions delivered a vehement attack on Mortain from the east. The Falaise Pocket. So you guys don't get as excited about that, that term, but this is like the ultimate dream in war. And yet this dream is made possible because of Operation Ludich. The devil's attack is actually what is going to create the devil's demise. And I want you to remember that in your spiritual life because so many of us are afraid of the devil's attack and we, we, we put way too much stock in and give it way too much airtime in our thoughts that, oh no, what is the devil going to do? It really doesn't matter what the devil's going to do. What's God doing? That's your question because God always wins the day. If the devil wants to bring an Operation Ludich to try and divide the body of Patton, well, then the allies are going to create a fella's pocket. So the big name generals in the fella's pocket, uh, which is actually a battle, uh, is, are Bernard Montgomery, the British, Omar Bradley, and George Patton, both uh, American. Uh, and those are going to be famous names throughout history. I'm, I don't know if I'll go into them at any point uh, along this time. We've talked a little about Bernard Montgomery. Remember his two uh, dogs, uh, puppies, named Hitler and Rommel? Yeah, he has a good sense of humor. <clears throat> and uh, then there's Omar Bradley and George Patton are classic military generals uh, that uh, are fearful and dreadful, <clears throat> but they get the job done. So here we are with our map again, and we're gonna zoom in. There's Normandy, 
And then here's Cain. See that red block? That's Cain. So that's how far. It took us forever. Remember the rushing, the bocage? It's like, well, this is taking us forever to get here. And, you know, England's being bombed afresh. It's like all these old feelings. There's a four-day gale wind force that is destroying the, the, the beachfront and all their, their new establishments and fortifications. And yet they finally take Cain. And then they're on the move. And you see that bottom row of flags. That's Patton on his way to Paris. Okay, so he's on the, what's called the long hook around the, the backside. Hitler is going to see this. And what does he see? He sees that maybe he could break that line because they're extending and they're, they're getting all their supplies still from Normandy, almost all of it, which means if he can break that line, he is going to isolate out Patton and Patton's troops, and you know, that's, that's the dream. He's licking his chops, guys. So what you see is Hitler is going to make his move. This is Operation Lutich, and he's going to try and divide that line. However, a fella's pocket is going to form around him, and uh, it's bad news for Hitler, because if that line can hold, that thin line, if it can hold, then Hitler, Hitler's troops are trapped. And he has seven to eight divisions in here. This is one of the most extraordinary victories in military history because never has so many men been invested into a dumb project <laughs> like this and were surrounded. It's almost like the allies are like, is he actually doing this? Is he actually doing this? Doesn't he know we could just form a pocket around him? Well, Hitler believes that he can't lose. So Hitler believes he can break that line, but what if he doesn't break the line? Whoa, we got a bad, bad day uh, for Hitler. And that's exactly what's gonna happen. Omar Bradley, who's one of the generals, is gonna say this. This is an opportunity that comes to a commander not more than once in a century. We're about to destroy an entire hostile army and go all the way from here to the German border. So what looks at first to be a terrible thing. The enemy is not giving up. He is not retreating. In fact, he's pushing full force against us. Actually is going to be turned against the enemy. So Winston Churchill says it this way. The allied forces swept onto the crowded Germans within the long and narrow pocket and with the artillery inflicted fearful slaughter. The Germans held stubbornly onto the jaws of the gap of, at Filet and Argentan and giving priority to their armor, tried to extricate all that they could. But on August 17th, command and control broke down and the scene became a shambles. The jaws closed on August 20th, and although by then a considerable part of the enemy had been able to scramble eastwards, no fewer than eight German divisions were annihilated. What had been the Filet pocket, Filet's pocket, was their grave. Gunther von Klug, who was actually the German for most of it that was the head uh, supreme commander of the, uh, of the Nazis for this operation, reporting to Hitler said, the enemy air superiority is terrific and smothers almost all our movements. Every movement of the enemy, however, is prepared and protected by his air forces. Losses in men and material are extraordinary. The morale of the troops has suffered very heavily under constant murderous enemy fire. Go allies. In other words, what we have is a turn. We have a flip. One of my names for this message was the Falez, uh what was it? I had a, a the Falez, oh, I had a great time. Now I can't even remember what it was. It was like the Falez flip, but it wasn't that. Uh, what, what is it when you get through a story and then you have a, a turn, like a surprise turn? What is it? 
plot twist. That's exactly what it was. It was the Falaise plot twist. It was a great title, but I, I went with Remembering Liège, or Remember Liège, okay? You know, the, the, we'll still, you know, the jury's out on if that was a good decision, because this is, this is pretty good. This is a plot twist. So what you're going to notice is that I made the Falaise pocket all huge up top, and then I have a little teeny, ding, you know, uh, teensy-weensy uh, version of it down below. And so what we have in history, like on the, on, the, on the bocage of France, I have to come up with excuses to get that word in, uh, you're going to see a falaise pocket form. But that's a little eensy-weensy version of something. And that capital version, that's something that happened 2,000 years ago. And the devil is going to see an opening, and he is going to hit with an Operation Ludich. <laughs> I still don't like having my name strangely associated with that, but that's why there needs to be redemption in this process. And he is going to strike the Son of God, and he is going to be relishing the fact that he has the victory. He can see it. He can taste it. And what is going to form around him in that very movement is the very work of the cross that he intended to destroy the Son of God is going to destroy him. He is going to bruise the heel and his head is going to be crushed. Mm, I like it. That's a Falaise pocket. So look at this Falaise pocket in history. Now this is a great summation of it, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, it makes it sound like I'm, I'm bragging about this summation. It is a simple summation of it, okay? Which means it's a summary, okay? It's just, it's very simple. It's not big. The Falaise Pocket in History, capital F, capital P. The chief priests and scribes plotted to destroy Jesus. That's what it says. Okay, it makes it very clear. I gave you three scriptures, Mark eleven eighteen, Mark 14, 1, Luke 22, 2. They are plotting and conspiring to destroy Jesus. Okay, so you see them. They, they see the patent line, and they are actually intending, let's get them. Satan enters Judas. That's what it says, Luke 22, 3. So how is this all going to be marshaled? Well, they've got it figured out. They're going to turn one of his very own. And they're going to use him to be the spy to give away his location. This is brilliant. Satan himself is in on the plot. This isn't just a whole bunch of dumb men that are coming up with a plan. Satan is masterminding this. He is coming up with his plan to break the patent line. The chief priests are going to bargain with Judas for 30 pieces of silver to discover the whereabouts of Jesus. That isn't Jesus negotiating terms here. This is the enemy himself plotting with all of the plotters. And they're going to come together and they're going to hatch a deal. And Operation Ludich is in full force, full movement. The chief priests are the ones that are going to yell out, crucify him, crucify him. Do they not realize the day of the year that it is. Do they not realize that we are like headed into Passover? Do they not recognize that crucifixion perfectly fulfills both Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22? And the Messiah needs to die this way. Do they not, do they not recognize that the Messiah needs to be betrayed and sold for 30 pieces of silver and then the potter's field needs to be bought with the money? Do they not realize that a fella's pocket is forming around them? No, they don't see it. You see, 
The powers of darkness are blind. They don't understand. Their own greed and bloodlust leads them into the fellow's pocket. And by the way, Isaiah 53.10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to send his son into this situation. He knows the outcome. He knows it's going to crush the head of the enemy. It, proves, it, it pleases our Father in heaven, though it is a huge sacrifice, though it is a massive expenditure of his own heart and love, it pleases him to send his son into such a war zone because he knows the outcome. So Jesus Christ, now this is an imaginary quote, okay, we have an entire Bible which I could say is the quotation of Jesus Christ, right, the word of God. However, this is taking Omar, General Omar Bradley's uh, phrases and giving them to Jesus just so that we can think through this. This is an opportunity that comes to a commander not more than once in history. I'm about to destroy an entire hostile army and save all humanity from his wicked grasp. He sees the fellow's pocket. Jesus sees it. He knows what's going on. We see just a weakened human who is sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, who is giving himself into the hands of, the, of evil men, and they're scourging him and whipping him, sticking a crown of thorns upon his head, ripping out his beard, spitting upon him, sticking a, a, a cross upon his back and say, carry it yourself. We see weakness. God sees fellas' pocket. We see disaster in the natural God sees, this is an opportunity that comes once in history, guys. Do we see the fellow's pocket in our own life? Do we recognize that when the enemy seems to be moving in with greater mustard, that God has him right where he wants him? September 2nd, 1944. So, just imagine, Hitler is going to declare uh, sort of, remember Lutich, or remember Liege. And what we're going to finish by saying is, yeah, let's remember Liege. You know what's going to immediately follow this? They're going to take Paris, and then they're going to swing up, and what are they going to take? Liege, which was occupied by the Germans at that time when Hitler is like, remember Liege, because it's like, we have it back and we're going, because Liege is going to lead to then the encroachment upon France and massive victories. And so he wants to rekindle. This is the 30th anniversary of these memories. And he wants to stir up the German troops to say, remember, remember. And what is it ultimately going to bring about? Yeah, remember Liege. God is going, or the Allies, God, which is, you know, we'll separate the two out so we don't confuse them. The Allied liberation of Belgium and therefore the liberation of Liège begins on September 2nd. It's like this is immediately following. That which was supposed to be Hitler's boasting grounds, he was going to break that, he was going to fortify himself in and, and build a wall against the incoming allies. Instead, he's going to fall to pieces because of Operation Liège. His, his attempt to destroy Liège his attempt to utilize Liège is going to actually backfire on him with a fellow's pocket. And Liège is going to be set free. See, that's how I like to look at it. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do with my name. 
you know, and you know, stick it in these terrible mud uh, holes. And it's like, hey, take it out. God's go- I'm going to remember that God is going to take and make Liege a tribute. In both wars, Liege is going to be set free by the Allies. In both wars. Uh, and it's the, the city, I think their nickname is the City of the Fervent or something like that. I was like, yeah. That's right, let's get some good stuff on the table. Hitler, get his name out of Liege. I don't like the German Nazis having anything to do with a city that basically means looty, okay? I don't like that. And the same thing should be true in your life. It doesn't matter how the devil has tried to drag your name through the mud. To trust that no matter what the enemy is trying to do as a movement against, that God wants to turn it. And so as a result, this is a message that is all about a fella's pocket. That when the devil finds your weak point, tries to break you down, tries to divide your life and your confidences in Christ, that's the very moment when God wants to encircle with the fella's pocket. So let's be expectant of how he wants to do that. Father, bring about the fella's pocket in each of our lives. Lord, freshly, destroy that enemy that is seeking to devour your word, your truth, your people. Lord, we live in a time where it would almost seem like the Operation Lutich has been successful and that, you have, that he has broken the lines. But Lord, I pray that this would turn back on the enemy. Lord Jesus, we ask for your strength and authority to be marshaled in our world today. And that the kingdom of heaven would be revealed on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask for mercy upon our nation. And we ask that you would steer us supernaturally. That you would steer us into a fellas pocket. And that what the enemy has meant to destroy our country would come back onto his head. Lord, we trust you. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. And our weekend service is streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.